Good morning, pastors and ministry leaders. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the Nigerian Pastors Podcast. My name is Shegun Ayegusi, and I am a pastor and founder and director of the Gathering Faith Leadership Network. We are a pastoral training ministry in the city of Jos in Plateau State, Nigeria, and our mission is to encourage, equip, and strengthen pastors and ministry leaders. The Nigerian Pastors Podcast is the audio ministry of the Gathering Faith Leadership Network, and we aim to achieve two goals through this podcast. One, we want to minister to the pastor's heart and stir up in you a greater love for Jesus Christ. The fact is, when a pastor is in awe and in love with Jesus Christ, it will result in emotionally and spiritually healthy ministry leaders who lead thriving churches. And our second goal through this podcast is to equip you with practical biblical teaching for ministry so that you can grow in your knowledge of God's Word and become more effective in preaching and teaching through the Bible. It is our ongoing prayer that the Holy Spirit of God accomplishes both of these goals in your life as you listen along. Welcome again, and thank you for listening. Welcome again, pastors, and thank you so much for joining us. Well, guess what? We are finally at the end of season one of the Nigerian Pastors Podcast. And man, I want to thank you, pastors and ministry leaders and pastors' wives who have joined us and followed along with us since episode one, where we talked about the pastor's dark night of the soul. Uh, We've discussed everything from that to we talked about the burden and the glory of the pastor's wife. We talked about issues that pastors face, including when a fight breaks out in church. And then we were in our Christmas series, we talked about uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. We talked about King Herod and then Recently, we've been talking about the end times. We've talked about the rapture. We've talked about the Antichrist. We've talked about the beauty of heaven. And today, as we wrap it up, we need to have an important discussion about this dreadful place that the Bible calls hell. Now, I know that's not the best, most fun way to end a podcast series in the first season, but, you know, we, we it's not fair if we talk about heaven and don't talk about hell. I don't think I would be true to the scriptures. And so in today's uh, podcast, we are going to talk about the ugly truths about hell. Um, and this is important because I, I think you won't really appreciate the beauty of your salvation and the beauty of heaven until you understand the realities of hell and what's at stake. And so today we're going to, we're going to talk about, like I said, the ugly truth about hell. Now, um, the question that has not yet been answered in this series, we've been discussing about the end times because we've talked about heaven, right? We've talked about the beauty of heaven, who goes to heaven, how to get to heaven, what heaven's going to look like. But what we have not talked about is What happens to people who reject Jesus Christ when they die, right? I can't just talk about all the good things without talking about the bad things. We have to answer that question. What happens to those people who reject salvation in Jesus Christ when they die? Like, does God just forgive everyone in the end? Does he simply press a reset button so that everyone can end up in heaven? And and not only that, but how bad, how bad do you have to be to end up in hell? You know, hell is an interesting topic 
in the sense that in all my years of pastoral ministry and in all the funerals that I have officiated at, and I've officiated at a lot of funerals for older people, non-Christians, Christians, babies, pretty much every age in, in my time in ministry. And in all that time, not once have I ever heard anyone say at a funeral about the person who just died, not once have I ever heard anyone say, yeah, that person is definitely going to hell. I think almost consistently, just about at every funeral, the general consensus about everyone who dies is that the dead person is in a better place. They're in heaven. But is that really true? Do, do we all end up at the same better place when we die? So it doesn't matter whether you're good or bad, whether you're Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, whether you're Babalawo or you are a priest or pagan, like we all end up, is that is it really true that we all end up at the same better place in heaven? Should we all be optimistic about our final destination after death? Or should many of us be more concerned, be genuinely concerned about this eternal destination called hell that Jesus spends more time talking about than he does about heaven? In fact, Jesus not only mentions hell in his teachings, but he actually goes in a great detail to describe hell. I mean, let me give you a, a quick, a, a quick look, a rundown. In Luke chapter 16, verse 23, Jesus says, hell is not only a real place, but it is a place of eternal torment. In Mark chapter 9, verse 43 and 48, Jesus says hell is a place of unquenchable fire where the worm does not die. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 42, Jesus says, that hell is where people will they'll gnash their teeth. They will gnash their teeth. When you gnash your teeth, it means that you're experiencing so much hardship and pain that you go, you clench your teeth. But, but Jesus says that's what hell is like. It's, it's anguish and regret. In Luke chapter 16, verse 19 to 31, in the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, Jesus says hell is a place from which there is no return. Like you can't take a break from hell to go tell your loved ones how bad hell really is. And then in Matthew chapter 25, verse 30, Jesus calls hell a place of outer darkness. He compares it to Gehenna, which is a trash dump. It's a, it's, a, it's a dumpster outside the city of Jerusalem where rubbish was just constantly being burned. That's how Jesus compared hell too. So I think it's important in this last episode, and, and I went through those sayings of Jesus because I, I think it's important that if we, if we hold to Jesus's words that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through him, then we must also hear what he has to say about hell. And so in this last episode of season one of our podcast, it is critically important that in a discussion about the end times, we take a moment not only to talk about hell, but to address some objections that some people might have about this eternal destination that some people will end up with. So let's jump right in. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. And in that chapter, in that passage, Jesus says this. He says, you can, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell, that's to destruction, is broad. Its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life, the gateway to the Father, the gateway to heaven, the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. 
So, so if you look at this passage, here, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying that at the end of this life, for every human who has ever lived and will ever lived, at the end of this life, you will end up in one of two destinations. You will either spend eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven, or you will spend eternity apart from Jesus Christ in hell. That's what he's saying in Matthew 7, 13, 14. Now, we've discussed heaven, right, in the past previous episode. So, so let's jump right in. Let's talk about hell. First, by discussing a very common objection that some people might have. And, and here's how the objection goes. I've interacted with some people who have said things like, God is a God of love. And he loves everyone. So when all is said and done, you know what? God accepts everyone in the end. No one ends up in hell. That, something along those lines is what people say. Well, just so you know, this teaching or this understanding, this belief is known as universalism. Universalism. And universalism is the belief that even after death, you can still work your way into God's graces and end up in heaven. It's basically where the teaching of purgatory comes in. People believe that when you die, you go to like a holding place where you perform good things in order to earn your way back to heaven. And so they argue that at the end of the day, God forgives everybody from the worst of humanity to the moderately guilty. All of us end up in heaven with God forevermore. So let's talk about that because if we're being honest, um, it sounds attractive, right? There's something about that that just feels good. Oh, we're not going to end up in hell. But here's the deal. Universalism is a very dangerous teaching because it deceives you into having a false peace about your eternal destination. Nowhere in the Bible does Jesus or anyone for that matter talk about a temporary holding place between this life and eternity? Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 is very clear. It says, it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. And this passage in Hebrews 9, 27, and the words of Jesus that we looked at earlier, speak of an irrevocable and final punishment of judgment after death. In Mark chapter 8, verse 36, Jesus speaks about this reality of losing one's soul. He warns about it. In Matthew 25, verse 10, Jesus explains that there will be a final shutting of doors so that no one can enter the kingdom. Add to all of that the fact that the Bible continually emphasizes and stresses an urgency to make a decision in this life to trust in Jesus while it's still possible or face exclusion in the age to come. And if that doesn't convince you, look at the stark warning of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 to 10. Here's what Paul says. He says, God is just. In other words, God is, God is righteous and makes the right, will make the right decision. And he will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen, in other words, judgment will happen when the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. And he will punish those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will be punished, listen to this, with eternal, I'm sorry, with everlasting, which is the same word as eternal, they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might on the day that he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who 
have believed. Now, let me just clear some things up front here because I realize that I'm dropping a lot of heavy news on you if you're listening. So there's hope at the end of this message. Okay, so don't 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 tune off. Don't panic. Don't turn it away. There there's hope at the end of this message. We're going to talk about how not to go to hell. But I think it's important that I lay out up front the reality of what the Bible says about hell. Also, I should point out at this stage that hell was not originally created or intended as a final destination for humans who reject Jesus Christ. In fact, according to Matthew 25, verse 41, Scripture says hell was originally created for the devil and his demons who rebelled against God, right? Of their own free will, Satan and and the third of the angels apparently rebelled against God and were cast out of heaven, some of them into eternal fire, some of them are awaiting judgment. And, And so the idea is that whoever rejects the invitation of Jesus Christ is essentially choosing to side with the devil and his demons, thereby sharing in their judgment. So I I think that question answers, why would God create such a terrible place? Well, he didn't create it for humans. He created it for for demons. And whoever joins with demons in their rebellion ends up there. It is for good reason that Jesus Christ says that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. All right, so now that I've scared the living daylights out of you, let's talk about um, how not to go to hell. In fact, let me start with this question, and it's this. And by the way, this is a trick question, which means the answer may not be as obvious as it seems. And here's the question. What must somebody do to deserve to go to hell? What must you do to deserve to go to hell? I think a common response that you might hear, even among church-going Christians, is that in order to end up in hell, you have to be really bad, you have to be very wicked, you have to be evil, or something along those lines. But here's the truth of the matter. The correct answer might actually come to you as a shock. Here is the answer. What must you do to go to hell? Listen, as humans, there is absolutely nothing you or I need to do to go to hell because by our very sinful nature, we've already done enough to earn our eternal seat in hell. Right? Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 says, The heart, the, this human heart, is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Romans 1.21 says, Even though God has revealed in creation and in our conscience all we need to know about him, Romans 1.21 says, We neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but we became futile in our thinking and darkened in our foolish hearts. We worshipped the creation instead of creator. And what all of these passages are saying is that each one of us was born with our spiritual GPS directed to hell. We were born in sin because of the sins of our first parents, Adam and Eve, and that strain of sin has been passed down from generation to generation to generation. Like, we don't, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't sin, I'm sorry, we're not sinners because we sin. Um, We sin because it's in our nature as sinners. And this sinful nature, unfortunately, puts you and I on a direct collision course with the wrath and judgment of an eternally 
holy and righteous God. People often ask, like, how can how can how can God send someone to hell for eternity for for something as simple as 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 a common sin we commit? And and I think there's a misunderstanding there. First of all, we always assume that our sin is not that bad. Which I always ask people, if I sin against you, am I in any position to say how bad my sin is? Like, if I offend you, can I come and say, well, it wasn't that bad? No, the person who is sinned against is the one who determines how grave the sin is. Not only that, the reason why sin and hell is eternal is because we are sinning against an eternal God, right? If I commit a sin against my neighbor that's really bad, we might get in a fight. Maybe he involves a police, but at most, that's where it's going to end. But if I commit a sin against the president of the United States, man, the crime, the punishment increases, right? Like if I committed a, a sin against them, if I try to, if I try to attack my neighbor and punch him in the face, um, okay, some neighbors will get involved, some family will get involved. But if I try to punch the president of the United States in the face, man, that that that's I could get, I can go to jail for the rest of my life. Now imagine how much more an eternally holy God. That's what makes sin so bad. It's because of whom it's against. And it's this great separation, right? Uh, it's this great separation, this gigantic gap in our relationship with God that made God intervene so drastically in human affairs. Like our sin was so bad. You know, we always think about how, you know, we were, the reason why God saved us because we were trying. We're not trying. Scripture says we were dead in our trespasses like it wasn't even like we were trying but even in our death Jesus came right that that is why God had to send his son Jesus Christ to to come to earth be one of us and pay a great bloody price on our behalf for the unpayable debt that you and I owe God you see when we look at the severity of all Jesus Christ had to suffer not only in the physical beating not only in his torture that he experienced before going to cross before going to the cross but the fact that Jesus Christ on the cross listen to me he was carrying the full weight of the world's sin on his shoulder on the cross what you were seeing, like, like I always describe it as it's called the great exchange, right? So we owe God this great debt we could never pay. And we couldn't initiate the reconciliation until God sent his son to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, right? So, on the, so when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, God treats us as if we have the holiness of Jesus Christ. And on the cross, Jesus Christ is being treated for our sin. That's called the great, that's what, in fact, there's a theological term called the substitutionary atonement. Pastors, this is an important term for you to understand when you're pastoring your congregation. Jesus Christ stood in our place as a substitute and took on himself the punishment, the judgment that we should have suffered. And we, in turn, when we put our trust in him, get his righteousness. That's what makes it good news. You are, the reason why you were accepted in God's presence is not because you're trying harder to be a better Christian. No, the reason why you're accepted in God's presence is because you are relying completely on the righteousness of Jesus Christ to present you constantly faultless before God's throne. So I not only trust in Jesus Christ on the day I trusted in him, but man, every single day of my life, I'm relying on him to present me faultless before God. You see, there is only 
one way for you and I to be saved from the eternal condemnation of hell, and that is to place your trust in Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life and Savior of your soul. Scripture says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose again from the dead, you will be saved. I love what John chapter 1 verse 12 says. It says, but to all who believed him, believed in Jesus and accepted him, God gave him or God gave them the right to become children of God. Because listen, apart from Jesus Christ, the Bible describes you as a child of wrath. But when you put your trust, John 1, 12, to all who believed in him and accepted him. Listen, you get transferred from a child of wrath to become a child of God. When you place your trust in Jesus Christ, God resets your eternal destination from hell to heaven. Make sense? If you do nothing, you're, if you don't trust in Jesus Christ, you are simply confirming your reservation in hell. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 3 says, So what makes us think that we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus Christ and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak? Brothers, listen to me. God has made a way through Jesus Christ to ensure that you get off at the right location, that you get off at the right exit of the highway that leads to hell. And that exit is Jesus Christ. Stop putting off that decision and surrender your life to Jesus Christ today. I'm speaking to pastors now because as odd as it may sound, I believe that there are many pastors in ministry today who preach week in, week out in the pulpit who don't know Jesus Christ. Some of you may have sworn oaths, okay? Some of you may, what I'm going to say next may sound weird to some of you, but those of you who this, who this impacts, you know, some of you pastors may have, you may have sworn oaths to, to certain cultic groups from which you're trying to get power to influence people's life. Listen to me. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 to 4 says, be shepherds of the church of Jesus Christ. For and to watch over the church and care for them and care for the flock. Don't bully them. Because why? Someday scripture says the great shepherd, that's Jesus Christ, first Peter chapter five, will return and will call each and every single one of us shepherds to give an account to him for how we cared for his church. So, pastors, if you have been operating in a power that's not of Jesus Christ, I strongly urge you in the name of Jesus Christ to renounce your commitment to any occultic activity or occultic group and put your trust in Jesus Christ and faithfully shepherd the church of Christ. Your life on this earth is one moment compared to the length of time you will spend in eternity. And the only difference maker is if you trust in Jesus Christ and abandon that lifestyle you've chosen. So here's what I want to do. If the Holy Spirit of God has been stirring up your heart as you've been listening to this podcast, please allow me to pray for you and with you. 
I'm going to ask you to pray with me and, and, and you don't have to repeat exactly what I said. The Bible is not really, the Bible, God is more concerned with the state of your heart, right? So it's not this prayer that saves you. There's nothing magical about what we're going to pray next, but rather it is a it is a heartfelt, honest faith in Jesus Christ that can save you. So let this prayer serve as a guide. If it's your desire to renounce your old way of life and trust in Jesus, would you pray something like this with me? Would you say, Lord Jesus Christ, I realize today that there are only two options for my eternal destiny. I realize today that my default destination is hell because I was born a sinner. Jesus Christ, I want to choose heaven today. I want to choose you, Lord Jesus. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins as my savior. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the dead as my Lord, and I believe that you ascended to heaven as my king. Lord Jesus, I put my trust in you today as my only hope for eternal salvation. I surrender my life to you. Jesus, grant me the gift of forgiveness for my sins and grant me the promise of eternal life in heaven with you. Thank you, Jesus, for welcoming me into your kingdom today. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Hey, listen, um, pastors, if you prayed right now to trust in Jesus for the first time or the second time, or you genuinely made a recommitment to God, the Bible tells us that there are angels in heaven rejoicing right now, celebrating the fact that you have now been adopted into God's eternal family. So listen, if you trusted, if you pray to trust in Jesus Christ, please let us know. We'd love to celebrate with you. You can go to our website, www.thegatheringfaithleadership.network. Send us, uh, go to our contact page and just send us a message or our email page and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. And listen, for those of you, and, and I feel a spiritual burden to address some of you pastors who Perhaps you are renouncing one movement and you're trusting in Christ and you are afraid of repercussion, retaliatory attacks. Let me pray over you now. Father, for every pastor, every man, every woman, every child who has put their faith in you today, I ask in Jesus' name that you would put around them a spiritual protection that the enemy would be intimidated by. I ask that, God, you would fill them with the boldness and the courage to press on in the work of the gospel. I ask that any retaliatory attacks from the enemy that might come against them for trusting in you, Father, that those weapons would come to nothing, Lord. In the same way, God, that in the biblical times you caused the enemy to experience its own destruction, that, Father, every weapon that's attempted to be fired at those who've renounced their old ways and trusted in Jesus Christ, those weapons would fall to nothing, would prove ineffective. And that, in fact, every time they come against your people, they would experience the powerful Shekinah presence of Jesus Christ, daring them and saying, why do you come against my anointed? So I commit your people into your hands. In Jesus' name, I pray. Pastors, thank you so much for joining us in season one of the Nigerian Pastors Podcast. We hope to be back in the near future with season two. In the meantime, you'll be hearing clips of our podcast over the rest of 2022. But uh, we want to thank you so much for joining us. God bless you. Thank you for listening. And may you faithfully shepherd the church of Christ in a way that will result in Jesus celebrating your life. God bless you guys.
Thanks again for listening to the Nigerian Pastors Podcast. For more information about our ministry, uh, you could visit our website, www.thegatheringfaithleadership.network. We are a pastoral training ministry in the city of Jos, Plateau State, Nigeria, and our mission is to encourage, equip, and strengthen pastors and ministry leaders. If you enjoyed this week's podcast and were blessed by it, there are one of two ways you can be a blessing to us in return. One, you can subscribe to our podcast on whatever streaming platform you're listening to us and leave an encouraging review. Man, give us some great stars uh, telling us how much you enjoyed our podcast. That would mean a lot to us. And then two, you can actually visit the episode page of this week's podcast and share it on any of your social media platforms, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, wherever, and let your friends know about us. We truly appreciate you and hope you were blessed by this. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you up with you next week. Stay close to Christ.